0: Morning Liberty.
1: Well, what is up all of our Liberty loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. I think I'm the co-host of this show or I'm the host. We have no idea which one it is because I'm by myself again today. I did speak with Charlie beforehand. He is very sorry. At least he said those words. Uh, But what do you, I mean, what do you make of someone who just says that they're sorry and then nothing ever changes? You know, I I don't know what you guys think, but Charlie should be back. He should be back tomorrow. I thought he was going to be here up until about half an hour ago. So a few of these things, I didn't really come up with stuff that I want to say because I was like, Charlie's going to have to come up with what he has to say during that. But anyway, we're doing a special dumb bleep of the week because we had so many dumb bleeps this week that we would not have been able to go through all of them tomorrow, and these deserve to be talked about right now. This needs to happen. We didn't do an episode yesterday because I was super busy working on stuff for the trading class, and so we put out an episode of Words and Numbers. Go back and listen to that. That is a a podcast that everyone needs to go subscribe to. It's just my My favorite one, I make sure I never miss an episode. So go back and listen to that episode, follow their podcast, all that. We're really appreciative that they allowed us to put one of their episodes up on our channel yesterday. So we're doing a normal dumb bleep of the week, and we're also going to do one tomorrow because there is so much stuff to talk about. We're going to get going with number one. And number one, as you know, Representative Congresswoman Liz Cheney was defeated handily. I mean, destroyed out there in Wyoming. And she had some words to say about it in her concession speech that were hilarious. So why don't we go ahead and start off with what she had. Yeah, they called it with like 5% of the vote in. And she lost by, she ended up losing by 40 points. It it was ridiculous. It wasn't even close. And so we're going to play what she had to say afterwards, which was completely nuts. And it just shows you how full of themselves these people are. Let's see what she had to say. We'll talk about this whole saga taking place right now.
0: The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Lincoln ultimately prevailed. He saved our union. And he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Speaking at Gettysburg of the great task remaining before us lincoln said that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain
1: that's that's enough of that the the hubris would be the proper word for it is off of the charts when it comes to her consent yes you heard her right just like just like when abraham lincoln lost his couple elections before becoming the president, and it does sound like she is interested in running for president. What do you do when you lose an election by 40 points? Of course, that is a clear sign that you should run for president. That sounds like a great use of all of your donors' money. I, I can't think of any better uses at all. That It wouldn't even be close. It's not even an option, but she'll probably do it, and she'll probably waste a whole bunch of money doing it. Because there's got to be a voice out there talking about how Trump is destroying our democracy. She went on, by the way. This one I just happened to notice was attached as well. Let's see what else she had to say. It's not just Lincoln. All right. It's also Ulysses S. Grant.
0: And there, as the men of his army watched and waited, instead of turning north back towards Washington and safety, Grant turned his horse south toward Richmond and the heart of Lee's army. Refusing to retreat, he pressed on to victory. Lincoln and Grant and all who fought in our nation's tragic civil war, including my own great-great-grandfathers, saved our union. Their courage saved freedom. And if we listen closely, they are speaking to us down the generations. We must not idly squander what so many have fought and died for. America has meant so much to so many because we are the best hope of freedom on earth.
1: Just wow. You know, I don't really know what to say about it, but not only is she like Lincoln, but this battle, this courageous battle against Trump and the people like him, it's a lot like when Robert E. Lee was down there doing what he was doing. And the people fighting against this, they're just like Ulysses S. Grant and they're just like Abraham Lincoln. Now there's some good things and some bad things to say about Abraham Lincoln. We don't have to go into all of that. He wasn't exactly the, perf- the most perfect president that there ever was. But Liz Cheney. Liz Ch- Cheney. Cheney. Where does that, hmm, what does that name remind me of? Now you don't have to, you don't, just because your dad, you know, is responsible for the deaths of probably millions of people, that doesn't have to be tied to you. But then if you, of course, support more policies like that, well, um, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how you can be so insanely just narcissistic, full of yourself. You know, Brad Palumbo said this earlier in a tweet uh, that Trump is extremely narcissistic, right? The thing is, all of these other people are as well. He's very right when he pointed this out. The only difference is they aren't upfront about it as upfront about it as Trump is. He doesn't try to hide it. He doesn't really try to do that whole politics thing where you try to look like this perfect person all the time. He just says whatever comes to his mind. And that's the biggest difference. These other people, they're not that different. They're just better at hiding it than Trump is. So, That's a little ridiculous. Now, I do have to call out something that I did not agree with. Okay. I didn't agree with from the standpoint of a political party. And I'm just going to add this in. All right. The Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. I support what they're doing up there. All right. I really do. And I like the Mises caucus idea of saying whatever comes to your mind and saying the craziest stuff you can because it draws attention to you. But they, they said many cry, cry foul when Liz Cheney compares herself to Abraham Lincoln, but we will confess that she has lived a similar legacy of invasion and murder. If only she could live out the honest Abe's entire legacy, including his love for the theater. Okay, that's funny. Let's all agree that it's funny. I do not, however, agree with tweeting this out as a political party essentially saying that you wish someone would assassinate Liz Cheney. That's that's basically what they're saying. That's not a good look. I understand what you're doing. It's just not a good look. But let's continue on past that. Of course, Liz Cheney. She embodies the Republican Party, which has just been this great, great party. And, and Ron Philip Philip Kowski, who's got whoo 8,500 retweets on this tweet so far. It says Republican Party, born March 20th, 1854, died August 16th, 2022, with the loss for Liz Cheney. That's right. The Republican Party is now dead because all of their embodiments have died now with Liz Cheney. She was the only person holding them together. They are officially gone from existence. And let's look at one other dumb thing, because here's what Liz Cheney said. She basically said that for her to win, she would have had to go along with with Trump's theory that the election was stolen and go along with everything that he was saying. The problem is, that's not true. There's a difference between going along with everything that he was saying about the election being stolen and going after him with the January 6th committee and treating him like he is guilty of incitement and that he wanted there to be an he wanted there to be an insurrection that he is to blame for the people who died and for all the bad things that are going on in our country right now that we have to bring him to justice those are very different that those aren't the only two choices you could just say ah, well you know i think it's possible that there's election fraud i really don't see that there's uh, any proof though i think that we should play out the system Uh, the way it works and this should play out in the courts and I'll go with uh, whoever the people voted for. And that's, that's, that's about it. That's about all you got to do. You don't have to go after him the way you did. Anyway, Ben Shapiro alluded to this. He said, Liz Cheney fundamentally misunderstands why people are so passionately angry at her inside the GOP base, which is why she actually lost, Uh, why she actually lost. That's uh, going back to this idea that she lost because she didn't go along with the big lie, the stolen election big lie. It's not that. It's that she went after him and did this January sixth committee thing and and has based, I mean, has been on this entire TDS train the whole time. That's why. Well, Ted Lou, I think from Hawaii, U.S. House candidate is what it says. He says that Ben Shapiro was mansplaining. He says, is this called mansplaining? Very arrogant and condescending to assume Liz Cheney didn't know what she was doing. So if you say that she's wrong about why she lost, first off, she doesn't think that that's actually the reason. She knows that there are other people who did not go down the this election was stolen Donald Trump is the rightful president. She knows that there are other people who have won elections since then, so she's she's aware of that. All right, but Tedlu he says that this is just mansplaining from Ben Shapiro. You see, this is what they do when you bring up an argument. The response has to be, well, mansplaining, racism, whatever, white supremacy. That's it. We can't actually talk about it. We can't actually respond to it. If Ben Shapiro says that that's not why she lost, she misunderstands why people are angry at her inside the GOP base. This is just basically Ben Shapiro catcalling Liz Cheney right now. That's, That's all I see. So that's all inside of dumb bleep number one. Liz Cheney. The Liz Cheney saga, which I'm sure we will talk about her again in the future when she was running for president. That's all number one. Okay, number two. This is Taylor Lorenz. Y'all remember her. Taylor Lorenz in response to the CDC guidelines, which have been revised, and COVID rules have been relaxed. This is a tweet from NPR. The new guidance lists the requirement to quarantine if exposed to the virus, de-emphasizes screening people with no symptoms, and updates all of your COVID rules. They basically caught back up to where we all were a couple of years ago. Well, Taylor Lorenz, she's not happy about it. She says, literally, what is the plan for high-risk slash medically vulnerable and disabled people? Just let us die while the world marches on like WTF. Dumb leap number two, Taylor Lorenz. So the plan is just to let us die. The plan is for you to do what you do about every single other virus that there is out there because COVID is not the only one. Uh, There are other things that exist and we have lived with them for quite some time and we have not quarantined. We have not required people to quarantine every time they get sick or people to wear masks every single time they go out in public. Yes, it will be like everything else. What is the plan for the high risk and medically vulnerable? Well, none of these plans worked in the first place. The plan is for those people who know what their vulnerabilities are to do what they do all the time in response to other things that are always circulating in the environment. That is the plan. I'm sorry, Taylor. Don't cry. Okay, whoa, look at that picture. Here's Dumb bleep number three. This thing came out of nowhere. Uh, just in case you're wondering, this picture is of a baby breastfeeding If you're listening on the podcast right now, (laughs) go watch on YouTube if you would like to. This comes from Slate. Yes, this comes from Slate. And they say we need to stop calling breastfeeding natural. It is well past time. We need to stop calling breastfeeding natural. Well, what's the problem with calling breastfeeding natural? That picture is distracting. I just going to say, I'm going to, this article. Public health advocates often use the phrase natural in their attempts to promote breastfeeding, but as a public health strategy, this use of natural may not be ver- a very wise move at all. In a new paper recently published in Pediat- Pediatrics, Jessica Martucci and Anne Barnhill argue that the emphasis on the natural aspects of breastfeeding. Can backfire. By endorsing breastfeeding as natural, they say breastfeeding advocates are reinforcing the idea that natural is A, something that exists, and B, healthier. They're reinforcing the idea that natural is A, something that actually exists, and B, healthier. By setting up this dichotomy, this false dichotomy here, these pro-breastfeeding campaigns might serve as unintentional fodder for concerns against unnatural interventions, like vaccinations. That's right. Quote, the idea of natural invokes a sense of purity, goodness, and harmlessness. Martucci and Barnhill write, Meanwhile, synthetic substances, products, and technologies mass-produced by industry, like vaccines, are seen as unnatural and often arouse suspicion and distrust. Part of this value system is the perception that what's natural is safer, healthier, and less risky. There are currently no studies demonstrating a direct link behind the promotion that breastfeeding is natural and the rise of parents who don't vaccinate their children still. It's not hard to find examples of how this unwavering and unfounded preference for all things natural feeds such beliefs. Martucci and Barnhill also point out that to describe breastfeeding as natural is to make a number of assumptions about gender roles and family life. Are two gay dads raising their child unnaturally if they formula feed? What about a family who adopts or a mom who can't or doesn't want to breastfeed? Surely these are all environments in which a baby could thrive. (laughs) I'm going to make it through all the way through. In a recent paper on bioethics, an independent ethics organization considered how mushy a category like natural is and whether it's time to get rid of it. They say the concept of nature itself and perceptions about the link between nature and value also change and are reflected differently. In, ph- in philosophy, social science, and literature at different points in history, associating what is natural with what is good and what is unnatural with what is bad is not, therefore, straightforward. It is difficult to define natural and unnatural things or processes. They conclude the paper by recommending that scientists, governments, and doctors stop using the phrase natural, which they determine has no fixed meaning unless they are very clear about the beliefs and values behind it. Just imagine, just imagine being so, this all stems from just this, this vaccine cult that there is out there. Now, you know, if you got vaccinated, that's fine. I, a bunch of my family's vaccinated, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm glad that they are, because when they got COVID recently, I mean, they would have died. That's the statistics of the matter. Imagine being so pro-COVID vaccine that you would actually recommend ending the use of the word natural. Imagine someone likely on the left being so pro-Pfizer-Moderna COVID vaccine that it's time to stop talking about natural things as if that makes them better than unnatural things. Like... Like food, breastfeeding, whatever whatever it is. I mean, come on. Now, I said in the group earlier that I was going to be going through one of the dumbest articles I've ever read. This is not the one. There's more. That's dumb bleep number three. We need to stop calling breastfeeding natural. Well, the to go to economics for one dumb bleep here, the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank has released a bombshell report, a completely bombshell report that is has shaken everyone, and I, I can't believe it, but luckily they brought in the data to show. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I do a lot of things to take care of my mind. For a while there, it wasn't something that I ever thought about. I thought I could just go through life and not ever think about my mental health, whether or not I was too stressed out, whether or not I was out, whether or not there were things that I could actually solve but if you think about it, you're only going to get this one mind, this one brain, and you should really take good care of it in the same way that you would take care of your car if you were going to have to use it for the rest of your life. Don't waste any of your time being upset, angry, depressed, anxious, burnout, stressed out, when there could be something you could do to actually fix it. There's a lot of things you can do, by the way. You could take some naps if you want to. You take some time off, take a vacation. But there's also better help online therapy. So therapy is something I've done. Charlie uses BetterHelp still. He's been using it for over a year now. So if there's something that you need to talk to someone about, you could use BetterHelp. Now, BetterHelp is an online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on the camera if you don't want to. It's a lot more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And our listeners get ten percent off their first month at BetterHelp.com/gml. That's BetterHelp.com/gml. I want to tell you guys about a sponsor for the show, which is the Expat Money Show from our good friend Mikkel Thorup. Listen, becoming an expat, that is a difficult decision. But for those of you that are in any way on the fence about this, you're curious about it, you wonder about the logistics of it, hands down, Expat Money Show is the best place to go to hear all of the advice, all of the strategy on how to do this. You're going to learn all about precious metals uh, how to store your money best way possible you're gonna learn about cool things like how to legally avoid paying taxes getting passports so you can travel all around the world how to actually protect the assets that you have from some of these tyrannical governments. And by the way, there is an expat online money summit, the expat money summit that is coming up in November. And yes, it is going to have the one and only Ron Paul speaking. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. There's a lot of different ways to do it. But I tell you what, Mikkel, he knows exactly what to do because he has been living this life. He's not just a guy that's out there talking about this thing that you can do. He's literally living it on a daily basis. He knows everything there is to know about becoming an expat. So go to the Expat Money Show, listen to that podcast, and also go sign up for the free Expat Money Summit coming up in November. Once again, go to the Expat Money Show on all of your podcast apps and go to the link in the show notes so you can sign up for the free online Expat Money Summit. They found, after all of this time, now luckily we have them to do this, but they found that when we ended the pandemic unemployment benefits, there was more job growth after that. Who I mean, who could have seen this coming? Like I said, thank God we have the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank out there doing this type of research, or we would have never understood this extremely complicated economic reality. Beginning in May 2021, 26 U.S. governors announced that their states would end some or all participation in the pandemic-related emergency unemployment benefits ahead of the federal program's September expiration. At the time, some of those governors echoed the concerns of business owners in their states that said that the benefits were contributing to difficulties filling job vacancies, which were nearing all-time highs. 24 of the 26 states halted their participation between June 12th and July 3rd. The AUB programs were historic, extending the number of weeks individuals could receive benefits, adding $600 per week, which was later reduced to $300, to recipients' baseline benefits and expanding program eligibility to contracting gig workers who would otherwise not be covered. Many recipients of these enhanced benefits saw more than one-for-one replacement rate on lost earnings. That means that they were making at least the same or more as much as what they were making when they were working. By contrast, your typical unemployment benefits might replace 40 to 50% of whatever your lost earnings were. The act of halting by a state was, on average, associated with a substantial rise in employment and a substantial decline in the number of unemployment insurance recipients relative to the other months. These observations led us to the conclusion that halting benefits stimulated employment this gets its dumb bleep because this is so damn obvious and I'm a little annoyed that they had to spend all of this time doing this study but I am glad that we finally have some numbers to back it up it turns out that when you can make the same or more when you're not working or sitting at home and not working or taking care of kids which is a lot of work I'd rather be working it turns out that you're less likely to go out and try to get a job where you would end up making less money. I don't know. That's kind of weird. It's shocking. Really? Who would have ever thought that that was a thing? That's number four. Okay. Number five. Here's the the, uh, the one. Here's the article. We're going to read through this article. I'm going to try to read as far into it as I possibly can without laughing or without my head exploding on camera because then I wouldn't be able to upload the episode afterwards. That would be a problem. From MSNBC. The loss of Roe v. Wade directly serves white supremacist extremist goals as long as it is white babies who cannot be aborted. This seems like a topic that we really, really need to dig into because it's a huge issue. Reports late last month of the arrest of a former Marine with ties to a neo-Nazi group highlight the dangerous and somewhat convoluted relationship between white extremists and the state of reproductive rights in the United States. The man was reportedly spearheading a mass murder of minorities and a mass rape of ...of white women to increase the production of white children, according to the Rolling Stone, who never, never, never lies about anything. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying cite someone else. The horrific revelations are a reminder that white supremacy, male supremacy, and violent extremism go hand in hand. Minorities and white women... Minorities and white women are targets of an ideology that both seeks to reduce non-white populations and to increase white ones. For this and other white supremacist extremist groups, the mass murder of minorities and the mass rape of white women are twin goals oriented toward maintaining a white majority nation. I mean, really from him, I'm just we'll just cut in here for a minute from MSNBC. How did I possibly have higher standards, higher expectations for MSNBC? I mean, I understand, like, Slate doing something like this, or Vox, or whatever. Or, what is it, uh, Mother Jones. they really MSNBC? Come on. These groups fear possible declining white birth rates and think demographic change is part of an orchestrated plot to end the white race. That's right, T-Dub. Don't forget about the Huffington Post. This creates considerable contradictions when it comes to women's reproductive rights. Abortion is seen by white extremists as part of the so-called white genocide plot. And in that sense, reproductive rights are a part of their white extinction anxiety. The loss of Roe v. Wade in this scenario directly serves white supremacist extremist goals. As long as it is white babies who cannot be aborted. Is anyone, anyone in a position of power in the government, has anyone ever mentioned the possibility that white babies cannot be aborted, but we should allow abortion for everyone else? Really, has anyone thrown that out there as an idea? I'm not talking crazy people on 4chan. How seriously of a problem is this? Because it seems to me like what they're trying to do is scare the hell out of people. That's really what it seems like they're trying to do. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's assume that this is a widespread issue that a lot of people really support. They really want to outlaw abortion for white people, but allow abortion for people who aren't white. Yeah. Yeah. As NPR has reported, prominent white supremacists have at times called for abortion to be banned only for white women, before to be accessible and even free for women of color. The same contradictions hold true for rape. While the rape of white women by non-white men is used to generate outrage, rape is seen by some on the far right as acceptable, even desirable. If it produces white babies. This is where the state of reproductive rights in the U.S. post-Roe becomes especially chilling. Justice Samuel Leto's opinion reversing Roe v. Wade referred to data from the CDC describing an insufficient domestic supply of infants to meet demand for infant adoption. He also cited, ACB's December reflection during oral arguments that forced pregnancy is not a meaningful hardship because unwanted babies can be surrendered through the safe haven laws. These kinds of justifications for dismantling reproductive rights, reduce women to vessels charged with producing babies for the good of the collective. Just to be on the pro-life rebuttal to that argument, it does not reduce them to vessels that are charged with producing babies It would be vessels charged with carrying the babies that you uh, produced, as long as we're not talking about any kind of rape, of course, but I just wanted to do that, yeah. It's not a stretch to see how this frame benefits white supremacist extremists, their obsession with demographic change, and their desire to increase white birth rates. It also explains why some white supremacists call to allow free and unrestricted access to abortion for non-white women. The former Marine arrested had allegedly written the group plan to conduct both mass killing of minorities and mass rape of white women in order to create a white ethno state. describing rape as an extremely effective tool against our many foes. Groups like these are fringe extremists who vi- whose violent plots clearly constitute terrorist action, but in the post row world, a plot to force women to become pregnant takes on a whole new meaning. Amid near-constant revelations of white supremacist extremists and other far-right plots in this country over the past few years, we've seen far too little U.S. government energy dedicated to combating the threat of white supremacist extremism. Yeah. Yes, this is an opinion piece, uh, for sure. You know, we, I try to say when something's an opinion, uh, but I don't always do that. But this is an, an opinion piece. From MSNBC and the author, uh, Cynthia Miller Idris, MSNBC opinion columnist. Now you can say, well, it's an opinion, so it doesn't exactly represent, you know, the views of MSNBC. But then again, you know, if I sent them an opinion column talking about free markets and capitalism, uh, they probably wouldn't post it. They get to decide what opinion pieces they put out there on their website. And those opinion pieces are likely going to go along with whatever narrative narrative it is that they want to paint for their readers. And in this current narrative, what they want everyone to think is that one, of course, getting rid of Roe versus Wade, well, that's bad. But also, there's the looming threat of white supremacist rapists who want to rape white women to create more white babies, outlaw abortion for only white women, and allow abortion for uh, minorities, and that this is an actual thing that people should be worried about and deserve to be on the front page of their website when I was looking it over for Dumb Leap Ideas today. Absolutely Ridiculous. I also want to point out, now, of course, you've got to throw in the idea that, well, if we allow abortion uh, for uh, everyone who isn't white and we outlaw it for white people, well, then that fits in with the narrative. But who, seriously, in what they're talking about outlawing abortion overall, you're telling me that anyone who reads MSNBC, a single person needs to be worried about the idea that they're going to outlaw abortion Uh, for for white people and that they're going to allow it for everyone else that that's actually something that they need to worry about when you take out that idea and you just look at abortion because they've already posted plenty of stuff about how this is racist and it disproportionately impacts people we've literally done articles from MSNBC already about how this uh, getting rid of Roe v. Wade and these abortion laws are white supremacy which make no sense at all. 67% of the abortions are people who are not white. So that literally makes no sense. Um, let's see, black non-Hispanic, that makes up almost three times the rate of abortion than white people. So actually, outlawing abortion, if you truly didn't have any abortions and everyone had to have their kids, would end up with the percentage of white population declining as it relates to the rest of the country. That's what it would actually end up with. So that narrative makes no sense at all. I just want to say it makes no sense. That's dumb bleat number five. Completely ridiculous from MSNBC. The Socialist Party of Great Britain. We're friends. We hang out. We'll throw one in from them. By we're friends, I mean I respond to their stuff. They respond back. And I ask them questions until we get to the exact same point every single time. And then they quit responding because they don't know what to say back to it. But they say, Capitalism is the nefarious cycle of endless growth and expanding markets. For the ceaseless accumulation of capital to provide profits. Without continuous growth, there's a crisis. Consequently, the needs of humans and our natural environment, natural? Who says that's even better? The needs of humans and our natural environment take second place to this imperative. Capitalism is the cycle, nefarious cycle of endless growth and expanding markets. That's right. That is entirely correct. You know what the opposite of that would be? socialism, communism, all the other badisms that there are no growth. They're actually arguing that growth is a bad thing. The reason that they argue that growth is a bad thing is because growth creates more capital and creates more profits for people. And what they care about more than anything else in the world is that some people have a lot of money and a lot of people don't. That is their number one concern in the world is that there are some people that have a lot of money. That is the first thing that they want to end and take care of. The idea that we will still grow as a society, that we will have more technology, that we'll have more innovation, that takes a distant second, third, fourth, tenth place for this ideology. They literally look at the growth of societies under capitalism as a bad thing, because all it does is provide more profits. Why does it provide more profits? Because they're providing more value for society. That is why you have those increased profits. You want to go to a world where we don't have that, where we don't have growth? Yeah, sure, go with socialism. That's a great idea. If you don't move forward, you're moving backwards, you know? And that's, that's what they would do as long as there weren't any rich people. Like I said, that's their number one concern. That's dumb bleep number six. I'm gonna speed it up a little bit because there is a crew of people working on something that is attached to this room and it's super loud. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but it's driving me insane. So let's go to dumb Leap number seven. Now this is Nina Turner. Nina Turner is like a is a is a student debt cancellation bot essentially right now. She tweets about 15 times. 20 times a day about canceling student debt. And that's it. This has become her one issue. That's all she wants to do. Now, our uh, our student loan, the pause, the payment pause, is up in like two weeks. And so that's why she's going crazy about it. But seriously, if you want to see someone uh, bitching about student loans numerous times a day, at Nina Turner on Twitter. Well, she said, I still haven't heard a reason against student debt cancellation that isn't rooted in cruelty. Every reason she's ever heard against student debt cancellation at its core is rooted in cruelty. Now, just to mention this one, because she's going to get another entry here in a sec. Brad Palumbo, I already mentioned him once today. Base politics. Go check that out. He said, hi, Nina Turner. Renewing my invitation for a public debate on student loan cancellation. Up for it? She said, so you can use my name to drive views? No. And then she corrected Brad's spelling of the word cancellation. He used two L's and she uses one. She says there's only one L in cancellation, but you can hold that second L. Mmm. Burn. Burn, Nina. That's good. Now she does say in the American spelling there's only one L. I just wanted to point out to everyone because this is confusing. I've had to look it up before, and I just want to make sure everyone knows that both of those spellings are correct. The British version has two L's. The American version has one. The most commonly used version has two L's. I just want everyone to know that, that Brad was right. I thought it was very important to note that Grammarly says the one with two L's is by far the more widely used spelling, no matter where you are. But no other ideas on canceling student debt, no thing that you can say comes from a point, a position that is not just rooted in cruelty. You only want to hurt people. That's all you want to do. If you don't want to take money from other people against their will and give it to colleges who charge 100 times more than they should be charging, then you only want to hurt people. That's really all it is. I'm going to see if I've got her next one lined up also. Oh, this, uh, I remember now. One of her people, one of her followers on the same thread said, cancellation costs nothing. Cancellation costs nothing. If you owe me $20 and I decide to cancel your debt to me, nobody else has to pay for your $20. Oh, and if I'm the federal government, I can just print myself another $20 to make up for the shortfall. And this is actually what a lot of people think. Cancellation costs nothing. If I decide that you don't owe it to me, no one else has to pay for it. And by the way, I'm the federal government. I can just print myself another 20 bucks to make up for the shortfall. This person has literally never heard of inflation before. I guess never been affected by it whatsoever. But they say, if I decide to cancel your debt, no one else has to pay it. Now, if you decide to cancel someone else's debt from money that you earned by providing value to other people, then that is on you. You can decide to cancel someone else's debt that they owe you. But that is not the way that the government works. The government only has money that it stole from other people against their will. It only has money that it took out of the productive side of the economy and put it into the non-productive, inefficient side of the economy. So while you can say that you could cancel your own debts or the debts that other people owe you and no one has to pay that, that is your choice based on your money and your income that you earned justly. But when you're talking about someone who is using money that has only taken from other people or that it can then print the money to replace that money, which it will then take from other people via inflation, then no, that idea doesn't work. That's number seven. Now, she was on a roll, so we're going to put her on number eight also, because Nina Turner posted a Ron Paul video. How do I not talk about her posting a Ron Paul video? And I appreciate her her posting it. She did, however, cut it off at a very opportunistic point. We've talked about this video before, maybe played on the podcast. I'm sure you've seen it before. She says in the 2012 GOP presidential primary debate, the crowd cheers... That a hypothetical, uninsured American should be left to die. Trumpism did not start with Trump, and it won't end with Trump. This is where the personal responsibility argument leads. Cruelty and death. That is what she had to say about the following video uh, with Ron Paul and Wolf Blitzer during this debate. All right, let me find it. I'm going to play the one she put up. Like I said, she did cut it off at a uh, really uh, a point that made sense for what she was trying to say. And then we'll talk about what she said.
2: A healthy 30 year old young man has a good job, makes a good living, but decides, you know what? I'm not going to spend $200 or $300 a month to, for health insurance because I'm healthy. I don't need it. But, you know, something terrible happens. Uh, all of a sudden, he needs it. Who's going to pay for if he goes into a coma? Well, for example, in a, in a, who, a so- who pays for that? In a society that you accept welfareism and socialism, he expects the government to take care well, of him. What do them. you want? But what he should do is whatever he wants to do and assume responsibility for himself. My advice to him would have a major medical policy, but not before. But he doesn't have that. He doesn't have it, and he's and he needs he needs intensive care for six months. Who pays? That's what freedom is all about: taking your own risk. This whole idea that you have to prepare and take care of everybody. But, Congressman, are you saying that society should just let him die?
1: No. All right, so at the very end, you hear people come in and yell, yeah. Now, should society let the person die? I don't think the answer is to yell yes really loudly in the crowd. Now, if the person can't pay for it and no one else is willing to help him at all, then yeah. Yeah. If the person didn't get insurance because they didn't think they needed it, insurance is just in case something bad happens, um, and you decided you didn't want that. And so whose responsibility is it? And so that's the argument that Ron Paul makes. He basically makes the, uh, the argument that this is about your own personal responsibility, and it's up to that person to get insurance. And the person in the crowd yells, yeah, should just let him die. Now... Maybe the answer is, yeah. Is that that enthusiastic of a moment that you want to yell that the person should be left to die? I don't know. But Ron Paul had a response to this that Nina Turner cut out of the video. And so I wanted to play his response.
2: But Congressman, are you saying that society should just let him die? Yeah. No. I practiced medicine um, before we had Medicaid in the early 1960s when I got out of medical school. I practiced <laughs> at Santa Rosa Hospital in San Antonio and the churches took care of them. We never turned anybody away from the hospital and we've given up on this whole concept that we might take care of ourselves and assume responsibility for ourselves, our neighbors, our friends, our churches would do it. This whole idea, that's the reason the cost is so high. The cost is so high, we cause a dumping on the government becomes a bureaucracy. It becomes special interest. It kowtows to the insurance companies and the drug companies. Then on top of that, you have the inflation. The inflation devalues the dollar. We have lack of competition. There's no competition in medicine. Everybody's protected by by licensing. We should actually legalize alternative health care, allow people to practice what they want.
1: Now, I wonder why the version of that clip that Nina Turner put up uh, didn't have Ron Paul's response in it. Do you think maybe she just found the video where it cut off with the person yelling, yeah, or do you think she intentionally cut it off so you couldn't hear Ron Paul's response? Because he says no. He said, I practice medicine. Before we had Medicare, and we never turned anyone away. The churches would take, would take care of people. The hospitals will take care of people. And it was a good response. And he talks about personal responsibility. But she says that this is where the personal responsibility argument leads. Cruelty and death. And of course she left off the part where he said, no, that wouldn't happen. This is what would happen. So that's pretty ridiculous. And she also, in a video of Ron Paul talking in a debate, says that this was Trumpism. Yes. You know, Donald Trump, very, very into that whole medical deregulation thing, of course. All right, Nina, we're done with you. Let's go to number nine. We have to mention it. I know we do this a lot, but I've got to talk about another Biden tweet real fast. Okay? It's too annoying, and he's too big of a person with too big of a Twitter account to not respond to it. He is the, he's the president. He's the guy. I mean, of course, he didn't tweet this. But since the start of my presidency, my economic plan has helped create 9.5 million jobs, reach a 50-year record low unemployment rate, and achieve 0% inflation in July. And this week, I'll build on that progress by signing the Inflation Reduction Act into law. Now, why do we need the Inflation Reduction Act with that last point that he threw out there? That's kind of weird. So if you just run through these, we've talked about all these several times. Create 9.5 million jobs. We all know what we'll say in response to that. Uh, Allowing people to go back to work is not the same thing as creating jobs. Reach the 50-year record low unemployment rate. Uh, Go back to the episode we released yesterday, which is from a podcast called Words and Numbers, where they talk about the problem with the unemployment rate. But you know what the problem is. When you're not looking for a job anymore, you're not unemployed. What a ridiculous number. But okay, 50-year record low unemployment rate, that's fine. And achieve 0% inflation in July. I'm surprised he actually put that part in there, but he really is still spiking the football, still bragging about the 0% inflation in July. One might ask, well, what was the inflation in all the other months? Uh, you've been president for 18 months. What were all of the other months? Inflation. He throws out the one month where there was 0% inflation. My, Since the start of my presidency, my economic plan has helped us do all of this and achieve a 0% inflation in July. My economic plan helped us get to 0% in July. What about all the months before that? That's what I want to know. All right, so that's a really easy one. We'll just breeze right by that and see what is up for number 10. I have to issue a retraction from last week's dumb bleep. And I think this was the winner. And if that is the case, I believe it is. It will have to go to the runner-up. You guys remember that whole Boston Children's Hospital thing that we talked about? Well, Libs of TikTok, they got banned from Facebook for talking about this, that hysterectomies video. It turns out that they don't offer those to children. Now, you might ask yourself, why is a children's hospital posting about hysterectomies if they don't offer hysterectomies for children? your guess is as good as mine. I mean, I guess they still take care of 18-year-olds. I'm not real sure. But I just wanted to say, uh, if they do, in fact, not offer hysterectomies to people who are under 18, then we will retract every single bad thing that we have ever said about Boston Children's, oh wait, hold on, let's watch this newest video from Boston Children's Hospital.
3: A child will often know that they are transgender from the moment that they have any ability to express themselves, and parents will often tell us this. We have parents who tell us that their kids they knew from the minute they were born practically and actions like refusing to get a haircut or standing to urinate, trying to stand to urinate, refusing to stand to urinate, trying on siblings clothing, uh, playing with the quote opposite gender toys things like that. There is more and more a group of adolescents that we are seeing that really are coming to the realization that they might be trans or gender diverse a little bit later on in their life. So what we're seeing from them is that they always sort of knew something was maybe off and didn't have the understanding to know that they might be trans or have a different gender identity than the one they had been assigned. So that is a a growing population that that we are seeing and that's being recognized as being trans and able to be treated.
1: Anyone out there listening right now, if you ever played with the opposite gender toys, if you ever tried on your opposite gender siblings' clothing, or if you did not want to get a haircut, there is a chance that you might be transgender, according to Boston Children's Hospital. That's one of the big signs. I mean, haircuts, really? Have you ever met a kid that liked getting their hair cut? And so if you don't want to get your hair cut, it's because you, at the age of two or three years old, know that girls are supposed to have long hair, and that's why you don't want to get your hair cut. That's the reason. A little boy, two years old, doesn't want to get a haircut, and that's because he knows in his heart of hearts that if he, she, as a girl... Goes out there with short hair that no one's going to take her seriously. This little two-year-old boy. So that's the dumb bleep of the week for Thursday. We don't normally do one on Thursday, but there's enough. And tomorrow, I had to, I, I really had to hold back to not talk about some of these until tomorrow. But uh, once again, I just wanted to issue that heartfelt retraction to Boston Children's Hospital. We assumed. Last week, that you guys were crazy. But this Facebook ban of Libs of TikTok, because they talked about this ch- child's hysterectomy, completely wrong about you guys. Completely wrong. You're actually just right on the up and up, throwing out good ideas all the time. Let me run back through these. Uh, actually, real quick, I'm just going to throw some numbers in here. Oh, wait. Let's see. Yeah. Let's throw these numbers out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. Okay, number one. The Liz Cheney saga, just like Abraham Lincoln or Ulysses S. Grant fighting against Robert E. Lee. It's essentially the same thing. Plus, she's going to run for president. The Republican Party's dead now that she's gone. She was the heart and soul of the party. Number two, Taylor the Wrens. You're just going to let all the high risk people die. WTF, CDC. Number three. We need to stop calling breastfeeding natural. The word natural is ah, its wrong, and it causes vaccine hesitancy, and so we just got to scratch this whole idea that natural means that something is good. Number four <clears throat> turns out, thanks to the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank, just bombshell right here that ending the unemployment benefits for the pandemic uh, actually had job growth. Number five the loss of Roe v. Wade is serving white supremacist extremist goals from MSNBC. Number six, the Socialist Party. That darn growth that you see under capitalism, we have to stop it. It just helps people get richer. Number seven, Nina Turner hasn't heard a single thing against student debt cancellation. It's not cruelty, and we're going to add on to that. Number eight. This whole response to this Ron Paul video that was selectively edited, his really good response out of it. Number nine, President Biden achieved his economic plan, helped us achieve a 0% inflation rate in July. I just want all of you guys to know about that. That's number nine. And number 10, Boston Children's Hospital, completely rational, completely sane. We're very sorry but also take that video that we just played into consideration. All right, everyone, if you want to get involved and vote, I'm going to watch the votes come in. If you want to get involved, even for tomorrow's episode, go to joingmail.com. That's going to bring you to our Discord channel. That's where we hang out. Discord is a pretty cool app where you can have, like, your own places, communities for people to hang out. Well, we hang out on Discord. All kinds of channels through here. we got our live chat going. we got Dumb Leap of the Week going. People can post their origin stories in here. We got a videos channel, we got news stories, we got memes, we got white pill news, a bunch of other stuff in here, people hanging out. We got a fine group on both sides of the Chuck versus Nate spectrum out there at joingml.com. It's only six bucks a month. Come on, six bucks a month. Jeez. Get your votes in, everyone. Get your votes in. Let's see what you got. Color neutral, thumbs up is the only thing that we're going to accept once again, everyone go to joingmail.com. we got a new advertiser coming on, so you guys are going to be hearing about that pretty soon. And I have to tell you, this is not an official advertisement because I'm not going to do any read or anything like that. Go check out the Expat Money Show with our buddy, Mikel Thorpe. He's been on the show a couple times before. If you're interested in getting away from this hellhole of taxation that we live in right now. And also, if this episode got you down, you might want to go to gml. Let's see who the winner is. It looks like it's going to be the breastfeeding isn't natural or we need to stop calling it natural article that we read earlier from slate.com. That's going to be the winner. Breastfeeding. Stop calling it natural. In fact, we have to stop using the word natural. It, first off, it's probably racist. It's, it, it conforms to the these gender ideologies that people have, you know, the ones where they think that there's just two genders and that people are born a certain gender. So it conforms to that when talking about breastfeeding, of course. And so overall, we have to stop using the word natural because we've made natural seem like it's a good thing. And that's very dangerous for the bottom line of Pfizer and Moderna. All right, everyone. Thank you for hanging out today. I'm sorry Charlie wasn't here. I hope he is here tomorrow. If he isn't, I'll still be here because I'm always here. If you enjoyed the show, hit follow, hit subscribe, hit like, leave a rating and review. Tell the friends, the family, the children that they need to listen to this podcast every single day of the week. If you do all that, we'll be right back tomorrow for another dumb bleep of the week. Until then, have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.